we want to take an opportunity to take a look back. I think it's really important to uh, review our last year. Um, so if you're new to the church, that's okay. Like you could celebrate all the things that God did last year as well. And it might give you a little bit of an insight as to who we are as a church family. So if you would uh, turn your attention toward the screen, we're going to celebrate. We are so eager to share with our Life Church family where we believe God is taking us into 2024. But before we do, we need to review 2023 and how faithful God has been through all of the life we have lived together. January 2023 is where it all started with our Assemble Goals, which we'll cover in just a little bit. If you were with us at this time last year, you will recall what a truly wonderful kickoff it was. In February, we experienced a beautiful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our preaching team began making preparations for age-appropriate teachings across all generations during Sunday services, promoting a unified direction. We offered teaching series like Stranger Things and Starting Blocks for Midweek Discipleship. Pastor Greg Howell was publicly installed as a pastor, amplifying the pastoral voices within our church. And in the outlet, there was a focus on leadership development, with student leaders, and our youth also experienced Winter One Day as well. Pastor Mark launched men's ministry team and organized a men's breakfast event for community building and leadership development, aiming for deeper connections with Jesus among the men of the church. Our Life Kids initiative was aligning teachings with the adult services, enhancing classrooms, and focusing on community. And there was progress in environments and women's ministry teams. Meetings were initiated and plans were set in motion. And Larry Saltzman came on board of our office team and began fully supporting our bookkeeping voluntarily. Thank you, Larry. And Miguel Briones and Chad Adams started taking care of some of our facility care, marking a significant answer to prayer. In March, consistency prevailed in adult ministries with ongoing teaching themes for Sundays and Wednesdays, focusing on spiritual gifts, spiritual warfare, and the Apostles' Creed. We also celebrated water baptisms, and we engaged in a Scale the City prayer walk that was covering areas surrounding the church. The worship team organized a worship night to prepare new songs for Easter, and the environments team do what they do best. They designed beautiful Easter decor. In April, the men's ministry kicked off the month with a men's breakfast. There was an emphasis on global missions through our students' report from El Salvador. We relaunched our Ephesian series and Kristen Esmerly's incredible sermon on the APESP gifts was included. The outlet community was growing through connection points and creative approaches to student engagement for events like Wednesday Night Special. We had a successful community barbecue to celebrate Good Friday and our Easter service was absolutely incredible. In May and June, our Wednesday night adult gatherings transitioned to connect group discussions and a new session of starting blocks had begun. This fostered relationships and setting foundations for discipleship. Our women's ministry had a lovely event fostering relationships and community growth under the leadership of S.B. Briones and Tammy Howell. Our discipleship and outreach efforts continued with new team building members contributing significantly. 
The Scale the City Prayer Walk in June had a positive impact, and the outlet saw incredible events like Wednesday Night Special emphasizing discipleship through Bible study and engagement activities under the leadership of Pastor Danny and Cheryl Salzman. Life Kids Ministry adapted plans for summer, aiming to offer tailored activities and discussions across different age groups, thanks to the leadership of Deb Rondo. And overall, the months of May and June witnessed efforts to strengthen community ties, enhance discipleship, and address volunteer needs within various ministries while aiming for continued growth and engagement. In July, vibrant community thrived within the church through increased adult engagement. These were facilitated by activities like Wednesday Connect and specialized men's and women's connect sessions. The outlet had a transformative summer camp experience in Big Bear, emphasizing a deeper relationship with God through various activities and studies. Our kids had a successful one day event, which made it a summer to remember. And despite facility challenges that required significant repairs, Overall, July brought impactful moments and blessings to the congregation, fostering a community that had a hunger for God. August was marked by growth and unity within the congregation. There was an emphasis on building relationships and fostering a sense of family amongst all of our members. Our church was strengthened in our faith and encouraging each other as we witnessed baptisms and experienced God's provision. The outlet focused on studying Ephesians and expanded leadership opportunities for the youth. Our Life Kids explored the full armor of God in Ephesians with ongoing discipleship and plans for a Sunday morning worship team of their own, which we are now living in the fruit of. Overall, August showcased resilience, growth, and a forward-looking attitude toward further unity and development within the church community on our journey with Jesus. The church experienced significant growth and enthusiasm throughout September, and we were diving into exploration of spiritual disciplines after concluding the book of Ephesians. We were seeing new faces at the church and folks that were hungry for God, and this was so exciting. Pastor Tim's pastoral care meetings and efforts in leadership development demonstrated progress and excitement for many emerging leaders. Emotionally healthy groups on Wednesday nights became a focal point, fostering spiritual growth and strong community bonds on our journey of faith. The outlet thrived with the introduction of plug-in teams and student leadership teams, emphasizing the activation of unique gifts and a deep dive into spiritual disciplines. We had an incredible church work day and got so many projects done, and we are so thankful to everyone who came out to support this day. Our Life Kids ministry aligned with the church's theme on spiritual disciplines, and we were witnessing children eager to learn and discuss all of the lessons. Overall, September was marked by inspiration, growth, and a steadfast dedication to unity and purpose within the church. And we were anticipating the continued work of God in and through our church. The month of October was packed and we focused on expanding our leadership team, allowing others to step up in various ministry roles. We had a successful trunk or treat and that highlighted our incredible church family's willingness to participate in outreaches to our community. It's estimated somewhere between 600 to 1,000 were in attendance. 
The youth discipleship program at the outlet saw growth in community building and student leaders took charge organizing various ministry areas and they were preparing for upcoming events. The focus remained on fostering a love for God and spreading the gospel with plans for baptisms coming soon. October and Kids Ministry centered on teaching about spiritual disciplines, and the kids have been loving their very own Sunday morning worship, and we couldn't do it without our dedicated volunteers. Our pastoral team was overwhelmingly blessed with a special Sunday that we will never forget. Thank you, church. In November, a highlight was our collaboration with the leaders of Life Church during the annual Leadership Summit. This gathering not only allowed us to reflect on God's work in and through Life Church throughout the year, but also served as a launching pad for our focus on our goals in 2024. Our Night of Thanks provided a platform for our congregation to share testimonies and enjoy beautiful fellowship. It was a time to replenish our spirits and reflect on the goodness of God in the lives of our church. The festive season of celebrating our Savior's birth kicked off with the collective efforts of our church members gathering together to deck the halls for Christmas. The women of Life Church also gathered for a simple yet sweet time at my home. And we added to the festive cheer with our next-gen Christmas parties that brought delight to the season and facilitated meaningful connections amongst our students before the winter break. And the Christmas drive through now a community highlight, saw hundreds of people driving through to experience the love and warmth of Christ through Life Church. Notably, a family that visited a couple years ago is now actively involved in our church and served at this year's event for the very first time. We are so grateful to everyone who supported this event. Our candlelight service provided a beautiful culmination to the Christmas celebrations with many of our young people actively participating in the service. And finally, we concluded the year living on purpose with a heartwarming time to feed our neighbors in need at Grace Resources. Next, we'd like to share with you our income and expenses throughout 2023. The lightest blue line shows our budgeted income and the darker blue our actual. The lighter gray shows our budgeted expenses and the darker gray our actuals. There were only a couple of times that our actual income slightly exceeded our budgeted income. However, as you can see, with the exceptions of a few major costs of facility repairs this year, we adjusted our spending to continue to be mindful and steward well the resources God has given us. We thank God for his faithfulness to our church and for your partnership in stewardship. Here is our attendance for 2023 with an average of 128 at our Sunday gatherings. This is an increase of 17% from 2022. Many of you began to call Life Church your home church in 2023, and we are so grateful to have you a part of this community. Here is your pastoral team for 2024. Dr. Greg and Tammy Howell, Dr. Tim and Pastor Sharon Lee, Pastor Mark and Deb Rondeau, Pastor Danny and Cheryl Saltzman. It's an honor to serve you all, and I know that I speak for the rest of our team when I say that we couldn't do this without the Lord, our other leaders, and our teams. So thank you so much for making this one of the greatest joys of our lives, to serve the Lord and to lead you. 
If you were to look up the word values, you would find that they are defined as a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. And the thing about values is we all have them. Even if you never talk about them, you are living by them right now. Whether you are intentional about your values or not, they are leading your life towards the goals that you are passionate about and the standards that you believe are important. It might help to think about values like horses. If you don't tame them, you can't control where they take you. Without intentional focus, your values will run wild and your life will be driven more by emotion than intention. If you tame a horse, it becomes a vehicle to get you to your desired destination and values are exactly the same. You can desire to get somewhere all that you want, but if you don't control your values, you won't be in charge of where you end up. At Life Church, we don't simply want our culture to develop on its own, so we have four core value statements that help us to frame the kind of people that we have chosen to be and to grow into. Since the best values are both realized and idealized, our core values say something about the kind of people that we are today and about the kind of people we are working to become. So our Life Church core values are, we are people of the word. We all belong. We are committed to growth. We are living on purpose. These values shape our culture and help us to accomplish our vision. And speaking of vision, our vision for 2023 was rooted in the word assemble. It was a year of building together what we cannot build alone. As part of this assemble year, we developed a set of five-year goals. Our hope is that by the time our church reaches its 100th anniversary, we are able to say that we are living in the fruit of these goals and then some. Our assemble goals are, one, to develop multi-generational ministries unified in direction. Two, to have an established and clear discipleship pathway. Three, to have an expanded and expanding leadership structure. Four, to see regular and effective community engagement. Five, to enjoy a fresh culture of creativity. We celebrate the steps that we took in each of these goals in 2023. Now, 2023 was not just a building year. It was the revitalizing of a commitment to growth as a core value, growing this church to have a greater impact in the world and growing together as followers of Jesus. God was so good to us through our assemble year and we are full of faith that he will continue to bless our efforts as we continue this assemble project in the years ahead. Now, before we turn the corner to our 2024 vision, we wanna take one more moment to talk about a commitment that you can make today, Life Church membership. Membership in a local church is a physical commitment, saying that you will not only attend church regularly, partner financially, and join volunteer teams, but that you will also build relationships, be and make disciples, and practice a shared rule or rhythm of life with your church family. Membership is also a spiritual commitment to pray for and with your local church, both its members and its leaders, and to receive and partner in the ministry of your church. 
allowing your church family to bless you and using your own spiritual gifts to bless others as you are filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Membership in a local church is not about agreeing on every single thing. It's about agreeing that God's people are better together and that these are the people God has called you to walk alongside. So, because we believe that making these kinds of commitments is important and that it is helpful to keep these kinds of commitments fresh in our hearts, we are establishing a new rhythm for membership at Life Church. At the beginning of each new year, you will be given an opportunity to renew your membership commitment to say, these are my people and this is my church. You should have received a membership form today. If you don't have a form and you would like one, you can pick one up at the info table after service. If Life Church is your church and you are committed to walking with us in 2024, all you have to do is fill out your membership form and place it in the box at the info table after service. The Life Church pen that you received with the form, well, that's yours to keep. Whether you have been a part of Life Church for years, for months, or just a few weeks, Membership at Life Church is our honor to extend to the people of Jesus who would call Life Church their family. But being a member of Life Church also means that you are a member of a larger family around the world, because Life Church is a part of a denomination called the Foursquare Church. So, in case you're wondering what that means, here's a description of our denomination's name and our core beliefs. So, why do we call ourselves Foursquare? Believe it or not, it has nothing to do with our skills on the playground. No bobbles, double taps, or Texas twisters. Back in the 20s, our founder, Amy Semple McPherson, began referring to the message of the gospel as being four square, which back in the day meant solid and balanced. Amy's message focused on four essential aspects of who Jesus Christ is, and those aspects are easily represented by the logo before you now. The first box, the cross, represents Christ the Savior. Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. Because of His sacrifice, we can actually have a relationship with the Creator of the universe. The second box is a dove, which represents Christ as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, a dove came down and landed on Him, showing the Spirit of God was one with Jesus. The Spirit of God does the same thing today. In fact, we describe our movement as Spirit-filled because the impossible is possible when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The third box is a chalice, which represents Christ as the healer. Jesus cares and is involved in all of our lives. Whether our issues are emotional, spiritual, or physical, God has the power to heal the deepest of wounds and cure the darkest of afflictions. And the final box is a crown, which represents Christ as the soon coming King. Simply put, Jesus is who He said He was. No matter how dark or confusing the world may get, Jesus will be returning one day to make all things right. So there you have it, four squares, representing four aspects of Jesus Christ, making a four-square doctrine that is solid and balanced. We may not agree on every little aspect of how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. As long as you join with us in believing in Christ as Savior, baptizer with the Holy Spirit, healer, and soon-coming King, 
Well, your face sounds pretty foursquare to us. Obviously, we have a lot to celebrate at Life Church today. Amen. God has been good to us. Uh, I was saying to my family last night that uh, 2023 for me personally felt a little bit like uh, after everything that we've gone through, pushed through, refused to give up through in the last few years, uh, 2023 felt like the year that I can look back and say, I think this was the year our church came alive. Um, it was a good year. Uh, we also have just uh, today are finishing a 21-day fast. And so if you've been fasting with us for the last 21 days, uh, tomorrow is going to be your first day where you can uh, go back to whatever it was you were eating before we were fasting. And that is good. You should celebrate that. Throw a little feast. Uh, break your fast uh, well. Um, but also if you have been eating like one meal a day for the last 21 days, uh, don't eat six tomorrow. Uh, just be careful and be wise. Uh, but as we are celebrating the things that God has done for us, as we're going to turn the corner and look at our vision for 2024, uh, would you take one more moment with me and pray? God, we have seen a lot this last year. For all of the good things that we've seen, we give you the credit and we say thank you. For every difficult thing that we have endured, we thank you for sustaining us. God, we thank you for meeting us in these last 21 days as we have been fasting. We have dedicated this year and our lives again to you and to your honor. We ask that you have been honored by our sacrifice. God, it is our joy to lay our lives down for you. Mark this year for us, like these last 21 days of a, a, a year and a season dedicated to you, laying down for you and hearing from you and experiencing your blessings and your power. God, as we think about the vision that you've given us for this year, give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say to this local church. Give us wisdom and power to do all of the things that you would set before us in this year. And in all things, God, be glorified by our lives and by this church. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37? We have been actually for the last couple of weeks in a series uh, called our Vision Series. And uh, we started this a, a couple of weeks ago, starting in, in Ezekiel chapter 37 uh, in verse 1. And we're really going through the first chunk of this chapter as, as our vision series. Special shout out to Pastor Mark last Sunday. Uh, he brought a great word as part two of our vision series. And just in case you didn't know this, I, I want to give extra props to my good friend Mark. Uh, I had been preparing all week to preach that sermon last Sunday. And then on Saturday, just was feeling sick and, and I wasn't feeling well. And it's a good thing to be a pastor at a church where there's a robust teaching team because I I was able to t uh, send Mark a copy of my notes and just say, hey, do you think that you could be on deck to preach these? And he preached them like he wrote them. Uh, and so uh, shout out to, to Mark. Uh, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Well done, my friend. <laughs> 
That was excellent. Uh, so surprise if you didn't know, if you thought uh, that, that that was just something uh, that, that Mark had been preparing all along. He found out he was preaching that sermon at like 5 p.m. on Saturday night. So uh, well done, Mark. Grateful for you. You saved the day. <laughs> well, today we are gonna uh, we're gonna tell you what our vision is for 2024. We're gonna finish this vision series, but let's start by uh, reviewing what we have already heard. So we're gonna dig in for a moment in Ezekiel chapter 37. I'll read to you the first 10 verses. We'll talk a little bit about what we've heard so far, and then we'll, we will see where we are going from here. So this is a, a prophetic vision that Ezekiel, who was the prophet to the people of Israel at the time, uh, as they were in the in the Babylonian captivity. He has this prophetic vision, and this is what he writes. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it that this is what the Lord God says Breath come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as, I, as was commanded me, and the breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army, or as it says in uh, the New King James Version, my favorite translation of that little phrase, an exceedingly great army. And so, so far we've seen Ezekiel, he has this prophetic vision, and we've learned about in the last uh, couple of weeks over this series, we've learned about the purpose and the practice of prophetic ministry. We took a, a Sunday just to talk about what, is it, what does it mean to be told to prophesy, and what does it mean to be told to say something on God's behalf? We learned that all of us are called to say what God has told us to say, at the very least to share the gospel with our neighbors. And then certainly as we are filled by the Holy Spirit and given prophetic words to share those as well. Last week we saw that God added something to this valley of dry bones. He, ha he added the will of God, the word of God, and the, the breath or the wind or the very spirit of God. And that is what turned this valley of dry bones into the valley of life. And then Ezekiel's vision is really, we, we've talked about this throughout the last couple of weeks, but it's, it's about the people of God who, who have experienced failure and disobedience and even death being restored to life by the power of God, being called back into the presence of God and back into obedient relationship with God. So Ezekiel sees this valley of dry bones come back together and the breath in their lungs bringing them back to life and standing before him an exceedingly great army. And the vision reaches the climax right there. They stand before me, a vast army. These, these bones that were dead and dry for a long time 
now a living, breathing army standing before the prophet. But of course, this isn't where the vision ends. It actually goes on a little bit further. So let me ask you a question. If you're thinking of this moment, these dry bones being restored back to life, what, what do you think would be the, the thing you naturally would assume is the next line? Now, if this exceedingly great army is going to say something, what do you think that they would say? My brain would, would say they're going to say something like, praise God, right? I think verse 11 should probably say something like, and then the army shouted praise to God, and they went on to conquer all of their enemies, and they never suffered defeat or failure ever again, period, hallelujah. It doesn't say that, friends. Let's, let's, let's see what it does say in verse 11. It says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We have been cut off. Isn't it interesting that after this vision, what the the words that God tells the prophet that the people of Israel are saying are not hopeful words. These are words of defeat and death and, and still words of decay. Uh, I find it interesting here that, that God doesn't refer to them as an, a vast army. He, he's, not, he's not actually saying, look, now they've been made an army. They're a vast army. Hooray, the, the work has been done. He's still calling them dry bones in his reference of them to the prophet Ezekiel, I I think that's actually really interesting. He calls them these bones, I think, to highlight just how defeated these people have become. It's almost as if God is saying, I could do miracles, and they still don't know how to have hope. But think about what these people have experienced, right? These are the people of the Exodus story. In slavery in Egypt, miraculously delivered from slavery victorious over so many enemies. I mean, if you read the story of the people of Israel, these are not people who just always lose. These are people who have seen God do incredible miracles, who've had enemies come against them, and God has just absolutely given them victory. They've had this thriving kingdom in Israel, and there's even moments in the story of the people of Israel where it says, and their enemies were terrified of them because of their God. This is the people of God. These are these these people. And and this vision in Ezekiel 37 is about those guys, the people of God who have seen incredible miracles. And what do they have to say for themselves? Our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. They're not even saying anything about God, good or bad. They're just completely self-focused. We are losers. They've lost their way. They got into the mess that they're in in the first place because they had actually lost their freedom because they stopped being obedient to God. The result of their failing to be obedient was that God said, you can no longer live free. If you're not going to obey me, I cannot bless you anymore. I cannot protect you from your enemies. And so you are going to be taken away in captivity. And so these people who have been freed from Egyptian slavery are now overrun by the Babylonians and taken into the Babylonian captivity. 
And there's something that you need to know about the Babylonian captivity. And this is important so that you can understand a little bit more about these dry bones that gets turned into a vast army that just really struggles to have any kind of hope. You see, the Babylonians did captivity a little bit differently than the Egyptians. In the Egyptian slavery, the goal for the Egyptians was eventually it became, let's just wipe these people completely off the face of the planet. We'll degrade them, we'll, we'll demean them, we'll make them slaves and servants, and we will kill and destroy these people of Israel. But the Babylonian captivity hit different. You see, they actually, rather than snuffing out the people's lives through death or oppressive slavery, the Babylonians tried to snuff out their identity as the people of God, and they did this simply by saying, come and live in Babylon and enjoy the opulence of our culture. The Jews lived in that culture for 70 years as captives, and the longer that they lived in Babylon, the more Babylonian they became, and the less like the people of God that they were called to be, they were. It's almost as if these people who were chosen and set apart by God had no idea who they actually were. God calls them dry bones. And he highlights their complaint for being hopeless and cut off. Now, I say all of that to you so that you can understand a bit about what Ezekiel was seeing and the reality of the people of God in the season when he was given this prophetic vision. Now let's fast forward all the way to uh, the fall of last year as our pastoral team was asking God what he wanted to say to our church for the year 2024. We, we believe that he pointed us to this verse, to verse 11, which is a really interesting thing because as you're asking God to give you a, a, a super faith-building vision and he says, look at Ezekiel 37, verse 11, you begin to ask God, why do you want us to pay attention to a verse that says we have no hope and we're cut off? That doesn't seem exciting. It's hard to hype people on we're cut off as a prophetic word. <laughs> But I, I, do, I do want to say to you this, that as we looked at verse 11 as a pastoral team, we began to realize that this is something that God was saying, this describes so many of my people, even today. We're somehow alive in God and yet without hope at the same time. It's this weird dichotomy, this, this paradox almost, that we have been given life through the saving work of Jesus and yet also feel so dead. I wonder if you were to give an honest evaluation of your spirituality for a second, can you relate? Like, I know Jesus. I know that if I were to die today, I'm going to heaven. I'm pretty sure that I know that. But, dot, dot, dot. But fill in the blank, right? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever thought about your Christianity? And you, you receive Jesus as your Savior, and you've heard about heaven and eternal life and, and blessing and, 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 and being in the presence of God forever and ever. And you heard Pastor Mark talk to us last Sunday about how heaven isn't just like sitting on a cloud and playing. Like there's something amazing and beautiful and special about being in the presence of God forever. And you're somewhere in the back of your mind going, really, is this it? Is this the Christian life? I mean, certainly I, I thought that there would be more 
fill-in-the-blank awesome thing that you were expecting when you gave your life to Jesus. I thought there would be more money. I thought there would be more miracles. I thought there would be more stuff that is, like, less sickness, fewer warfare issues in my life. I thought the demons could never touch me again. I thought I would never be tempted by sin ever again. You're going, really, is this it? And then you hear a story about this prophetic vision about dry bones that were once the thriving people of God, and you're kind of afraid to admit that you really relate to that. And God says, look at verse 11. It feels familiar, doesn't it? I hate that I can say yes. I I hate that over the years of being a pastor, I, I can see so many people who have put their faith in Jesus and just live stuck. It's hard. It's sad. It's confusing. But I I want you to know, God doesn't highlight verse 11 for us to give us grief. The vision for 2024 is not your lane. The the vision for 2024 isn't even a correction. The vision for 2024 isn't how dare you give up hope. I, I think that, not think, I am convinced that God had our pastoral team look at verse 11 so that we would keep reading. Because there's something past verse 11 that really, really matters. Because God is always in the business of giving hope to his people. Ezekiel's vision concludes like this. Starting in verse 11 again, he says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope is perished. We are cut off. Therefore, this is verse 12. This is now how the prophet is supposed to respond to what he sees. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. My people, I will lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. How many times does God say, like, I'm saying this? Isn't this amazing? He goes, he goes, I'll do this, and then you'll know that I am God. I, I love how it, it ends. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. He three-peats, this is what I am saying. So God's response to hopeless and stuck people who have seen the miraculous, who have seen the life-giving God, his response to people who, even though they've seen miracles, feel like they are stuck in death is, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. It's a promise. It's a promise. I think it's also a challenge. 
So every year God's given us this word or this phrase or this directive and really what we've done every single year uh, that I've been the pastor of this church, we've, we've prayed and we've asked God, what are you wanting us to focus on or move into this year? And then as we pray, we feel like God's given us kind of an idea or a focus or some kind of a prophetic direction that we're supposed to walk in or build towards as a year uh, or during that year as a church. And, and then we've, we've asked God, hey, can you give us a, a title for that? And, and so our, our vision for every year has really been rooted in like the title for something we feel like God is doing in this year. And so, for example, we've had Emerge was one of our vision uh, words for a year. And that was really important for us because we felt like we were coming out of the cave of of, of the world having shut down. We're saying we're emerging from those dark days into the glorious light of a new season. And that was really important for us to begin this rebuilding the church project in the post-COVID era. That, was, that mattered for us, and we called it Emerge. Last year, and you heard this in our video that we shared this morning, Assemble was the title that we gave to the, the vision that God has given us, and I cannot tell you as your pastor how proud I am of you that you avoided for 365 days turning our vision into a joke saying Avengers Assemble. <laughs> like we were really worried that you were going to, and you didn't do it. Good job. You're so much more mature than I am. <laughs> But this was the thing that we felt like God was saying, this is a year of, call, call it assemble. It's a year, and the tagline was to build together what can't be built alone. But this year, we don't feel like God is, is giving us a title for a thing that he is doing or a thing he's calling us to work on. We actually, this year, feel like God has pulled straight out of Scripture the words that we are saying is the vision for this year. In fact, I would say to you that when we were looking at these words together in Ezekiel 37 as a pastoral team, we just simply landed on this, those words in the word of God right there. That is a prophetic promise for Life Church in 2024. We believe that our vision for 2024 is simply a prophetic promise wrapped up in four words, and you will live. Think with me for a moment, friends, about how much you need the God of the universe to just look you in the eye, considering everything you have been through and everything you're still facing and all the questions that you have and all the doubts and the worries and the pain and the brokenness you still experience and the brokenness your friends and family experiences and, and the lack that you still have and you go, I'm a Pentecostal and so I don't feel like I'm supposed to admit that I have any of these broken places, but I honestly do and I don't know what to do about it and it's frustrating and concerning and I really, really relate to Ezekiel 37 verse 11 and how much do you just need the father that loves you, that sent his son to die for you to look at you and say, sweetheart, I see all of that, and you will live. And you will live. You will live. Your story's not over yet. This church's story isn't over yet. The story of what God is doing in us and through us in this community is not over yet. You may have gone through a dark night, and you will live. You may have doubt and pain and brokenness, and you will live. But we have to ask the question, how? I mean, is it just magic and you will live? We just say the words and you will live and then you'll live? Or is there something more to it? Maybe there's a partnership. Maybe this is a promise that comes with a challenge. 
Because certainly we would say, no matter what your pastors look like, God has said, I will put my spirit in the people of Life Church and you will live. But I, I think that we have to ask the question, how? How do we receive this life? How do we step into it? What does it actually look like for us to learn how to live? I think it turns out to be something more than simply just grabbing a hold of our Pentecostalism and naming and claiming John 10.10, which says that the enemy may have come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Therefore, I'm going to ignore all the pain and pretend that everything is good in the name of Jesus. Friends, that's called lying. And we're not invited to be liars in the name of the kingdom. We are called to life. But I think that has to look like us actually receiving life. So the question is, how do we receive the life? How do we step into the life that God says that he would want us to have? And I think we can learn this in verses 12 through 14. So if you would indulge me for the next few moments, I just want to show you the places where God says, this is what it will look like for me to give you, extend life to you. And then the implication of something that we must do in order to receive that, I think, will be pretty apparent to you. So the first thing, we begin with this first promise, this miraculous promise of power that God offers to us. He says, I will open your graves and bring you out of them, right? Now, this should be pretty clear. Like, God is in the business of bringing dead people to life. <laughs> that's, that's good news. He hasn't stopped doing it. Amen? Okay, okay. So we, we see, I will open your graves. We know that this is certainly an Old Testament prophetic picture, but through the work of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Christ after death, we know that he's still causing us to live. He's bringing us out of our graves. Amen? Okay. His promise here is actually twofold. I will open your graves. We know that sin leads us to death and separates us from God. But through the death of Christ, God has made a way for us to live. So he says, I will open your graves. I will make a way for you to live. And then the second part of this promise is he says, I will bring you out of the grave. More than just opening the door to the jail cell you have been sitting in, he will grab a hold of you and bring you out of it. Uh, In spiritual terms, we call this the ministry of deliverance. I will bring you out of the sinful, dark, broken, death places that you have been in. I will bring you up out of your grave. So God's part is to give us life and deliver us from dead places and dead practices. Your part, don't go back. Don't go back. By the way, Solomon the wisest man to have ever lived, he didn't think very highly of people who go back. In Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, he says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so also a fool returns to his foolishness. Yikes! That's gross! Jesus actually once encountered a blind man. I love this. I won't take a lot of time on this, but it's a really important principle for you to understand the idea of don't go back. This blind man is brought to Jesus in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 23. He took the blind man by the hand. He brought him out of the village. Say, out of the village. Spitting on his eyes and laying hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? He looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. They looked in, the man looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. There's a lot to be said here, entire sermons to be preached out of this one little story. I want you to catch this thing that happens next in verse 26. Then Jesus said to him, don't even go into the village. He brought him out of the village, restored his sight to him, and then said, don't go back. 
So the first thing Jesus does, he leads him out of the village, right? I will open your graves and I will bring you up from out of them. And then he says, don't go back. Look, if God is going to give you life, that miracle should at least change your life. At least. It should at least change the way you live. And one of the tragedies that I see as a pastor, and I'm sure that you have seen this in friends and family members of yours, tragically, who raise their hand on a Sunday and say, I put my faith in Jesus because they are desperate for life-changing love and power and forgiveness. And friends, that is good. We encourage that. But the tragedy is when you get back to Monday and you just fall right back into the same pattern and habit of sin that you died in. We have a great discipleship problem in the church, and one of the discipleship problems in the church is that we seem to have forgotten how to rebuke sin. We seem to have forgotten how to tell people, hey, Jesus saved you, go live differently. That thing that you did that killed your soul, stop doing it. And then we have a greater discipleship problem is that we don't teach people how to live in ways that are actually life-giving in, the, in their relationship with Jesus. We just say, raise your hand at church, sing a couple songs on a Sunday, listen to a TED Talk, and you'll go to heaven. And Jesus didn't die so you could sit and listen to me talk once a week. He died to save your life. Don't go back to the grave. And so God would say, I'll bring you out. You don't go back, and you will live. I just know there's so many places in my own life over the years that I have been a human being where I know that I would say, God, why is my life so hard? Why am I not seeing the wonderful miracle kingdom power that I thought I was going to see? And there's more often than not, God would look at me and go, there's something of death in you, kid. If you would just stay out of the grave, you would see incredible things. And so my life is a story of learning to not go back to the grave. And if I could just be so bold, I would just declare in the name of Jesus that, that my prayer is this, and I pray that you would live into this as, and that it wouldn't just be a prayer but a prophetic declaration that 2024 would be the year where you are set free from what binds you, and you will live. The second thing that we see that God says this next miraculous promise of power um, that God makes is this, I will lead you into the land. God actually repeats this again in, in later on. He says, I will settle you in your own land. This is certainly a reference to the promised land, the physically, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel, the place we refer to as Israel. But spiritually, it's a reference to God's kingdom, to living as people of God's kingdom. Now, if Egypt and Babylon represent what we come out of, Israel is representative of the life that God would lead us into. So he says, I'll settle you into your land. Another way that you can understand this is to our spirits, God is saying, I will lead you into a new way of being. I will lead you to be the kind of person I created you to become. So then our responsibility is simple and it should be obvious to go where we are led. To become whom God tells us to become. 
This is the invitation of spiritual formation. We've talked about spiritual formation a lot at Life Church, and so I won't belabor this point, and we'll move quickly on to the third one. But just as a way of reminding you, spiritual formation is the lifelong spirit-led process of being molded into the image of Christ in order to increasingly love God and neighbor. So as God says, I will lead you into the land, I will settle you into the land that I've promised you, he's saying, I will take you somewhere. And then your response is, yes, Lord, I will go. And what does that look like? It looks like you being formed, you you framing out your entire life to be the kind of life that Jesus would live if he were living your life. We talked about spiritual disciplines. We've talked about practices. We've talked about a rule of life or a rhythm or a framework of life made up of spiritual disciplines that you practice. We just spent the last 21 days fasting, a spiritual discipline that is designed to make our lives molded into the image of Christ over time, led by the Holy Spirit. This is something that I think that we are learning more and more and getting better and better as a local congregation at talking about spiritual formation. But but I say to you that if we don't get out of the stuck places or stay out of the dead places and out of the grave, if we don't refuse to go back, and if we don't mold our lives through discipline and spiritual formation, then I think we are not going to experience the life that God has promised to us. Again, God says to us, and you will live, and spiritual formation is the thing that teaches us how we will live. So we, we live as we refuse to go back into our graves. We live as we learn to live like Jesus would if he were the one living in our lives, following him wherever he would lead us. And then the third thing that we see, this third promise of miraculous power that God makes is, I will put my spirit in you. This is actually the statement that he makes right before he says, what is our vision for this year, this prophetic promise that God is making to us? He says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Now, again, I'm not going to say a ton here. We've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit multiple times recently. Uh, Pastor Mark had a whole point about this last Sunday. Uh, We prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I will say that it is vital to learn a lesson here from this. We will never enjoy the fullness of the life that God intends for us without receiving the help and power of the Holy Spirit. You are not invited to climb up out of a grave with the power of God to stand in the light of freedom and a new day and then strive your way into righteousness. Spiritual disciplines have to be met with the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we are just practicing empty religion, trying to justify ourselves. And so we cannot talk about spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation without also talking about the incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And God in his wisdom knows that. And so he says, follow me wherever I go and I'll put my spirit in you. You'll have power to do the things that I have called you to do. Now, Jesus did not, by the way, think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just kind of optional. In Luke chapter 24, as he is saying some of the final things that he says to his disciples before he goes to sit at the right hand of the Father, he says to his disciples, I am sending you what my Father promised. That's a direct reference to some things he had said earlier, which is, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he says, as for you, stay in the city, that's the city of Jerusalem, until you are empowered from on high. You know what he's saying here? 
I'm sending you on a very important mission to go live in public and help other people meet me. Don't you dare begin to do it until you receive the power that I give you. Don't even think about it. You're not that good. You're not that ready. You're not that smart. This is Jesus saying this to you. And if you think that that's saying, oh, Jesus doesn't really love me. He's insulting me, saying I'm not ready and good and smart. No, the guy gave his life for you. He is madly in love with you, but he doesn't want you to have wasted his sacrifice by going and living a powerless life and just falling back into the grave or into empty religion. He wants you to be empowered to actually live. And you can't fully enjoy the life that God gave up his own life for you to experience without the power of the Holy Spirit. God says to you, and you will live, but it is really, really important that you never begin to think that you can live in your own power. We absolutely, let me say this very clearly, we 100% want to see miracles in this church. We have seen miracles. We continue to pray for miracles. Some of you are the the physical embodiment of proof that God still does miracles. When we see sick people, we lay hands on them for prayer. When people are in need, we lay hands on them for prayer, and we see God doing miracles. But we don't chase after the power of the Holy Spirit just so we can have superpowers, friends. The lesson here is not how do you become Spider-Man for 2024, Although, if anyone has a radioactive spider, I would let it bite me. I just want you to know, I've thought about it a lot. I've reconciled it. I will go through the rough night just for those superpowers. But that is not what God is trying to tell us in this moment. He's he's not offering us the Holy Spirit so we can be cool. He's offering us the Holy Spirit to teach us just how utterly dependent on him we must be. Like utterly dependent. God says, and you will live if you don't go back into your grave. And then he says, and by the way, you cannot resist the temptation of the grave without the power of the Holy Spirit. God says, follow me wherever you go, and you won't even see where I'm going without the power and the presence and the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has been stigmatized a lot, and, and I know Pentecostals can be strange and weird, and we do all kinds of hokey things, and at Life Church, we really, really try to honor the Holy Spirit and be Pentecostal people without being weirdos. And even then, we still do things that are a little strange, and not what the world would call normal. But just for the record, I'm not interested in appeasing the opinions of the world. I just want the power of God so that I can get to heaven. And so maybe some other people can get there with me. And so that along the way, we can send the message that Jesus didn't die so that life would suck until we die and go to heaven. He did, after all, say, you would, I came so that you would have life and life abundantly. And that doesn't mean after you die. That means eternity started the moment you place your faith in Jesus. And friends, I'm just telling you, everything about Scripture tells us that you cannot enjoy the full life that Jesus died and rose again to offer to you without the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, I can't even read and understand the Word of God. I didn't even write this sermon without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's okay. I'll just grin and bear it and fast a lot, and I just will stop sinning. No. 
Let's not buy into the lie. Friends, we need the power of the Spirit of God. I must be, I must be utterly dependent on God's Spirit. So we can see that God says to us this through all of it, through everything that you've been through, and you will live. It's the word that says, get unstuck. It's the word that says for all of the places as a church, and I'm going to say this to you as your pastor and as the pastor of this church for over 10 years now, and having been a part of Lancaster Foursquare Church, which is the heritage church that we're sitting in, is almost 100 years old. One of the things that has recurringly happened in this church is there has been a ramp up of, of spiritual excitement and enthusiasm, things that feel like breakthrough, and it lasts for a time, a season, a period, and then something happens. We hit a wall as a people. We hit a wall as a church. Something about this community, as a mentor of mine says, the Antelope Valley just has a way of putting sand in your gears. And if you live here long enough without the power of the Holy Spirit, you too will grow sandy. And crusty, like dry bones, feeling cut off. And I don't say things like this a whole lot. If you've been around Life Church, you know that I don't try to over spiritualize it. I'm not the there's a demon under every rock guy. But I think that the first four square church of the Antelope Valley matters. I think that it matters that we're here. And I think that it matters that we break whatever bind has been on this church. I think that for generations, there has been a wall that we have been hitting as a people. And I would just like to say, as a cry to the Lord, and if I may be so bold, a prophetic declaration, that this year it ends. You're clapping. Do you realize what that means? I don't just say that from a stage. You realize what that means is, and you better live. <laughs> Get to work, friends. <laughs> don't go back. And when you feel yourself being pulled back to the grave, be mad about it. Don't go back. When you feel your spirituality growing crusty and stale, revitalize it with a fast. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray. Get in a life group and declare in the name of Jesus, I am alive and I will not go back. This is how we'll break it. This is how we'll break through. This is how we will live. I think that God is not just saying, hey, be hyped about it, but live into a promise. Finally, Life Church, Lancaster Foursquare Church, break through to something new that you will never go back back to the way it was before. When you sign a membership form for 2024, you're saying, I'm committing to the year we break through, to the year we live. I'm committing to do my part to help us, my people, my tribe, my church live. To live but you're not gonna do it because you grin and bear it. You're gonna do it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
There's about a hundred different ways that we could end a service like this. And as we were singing that song earlier, same God, I thought, that's how we need to end this service. It's, can, let's have the team come back up. We're going to sing this song. We're going to pray. And then we're going to go and live. I want to invite you. Uh, if you're done being at church today and you have plans, like, we love you. <laughs> but, like, if you're in this room for the next 10 minutes, this moment, as we sing these words, is a declaration of utter dependence, full of faith in God. Will you sing with me? And as we sing, would you say, God, you're the same that you've always been. I, this year, join with my church family to commit to the same God who is doing something new today that turns out to be the thing he's always been doing. God, I commit. Would you stand to your feet? And before the, before the team sings this song, I want to ask if we can do one more thing as a family, and then I'm going to ask the team to lead us in a little bit of this song, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to close us in prayer. Can you just take your hands and place them on the shoulders of some of the people standing around you? If you're sitting in a row by yourself this morning, you might need to skip out of a row and go stand next to somebody. Just real quick, just go put a hand on at least one other person's shoulder. And before the worship team begins to sing these words and lead us in this song again of a declaration as we speak life into this vision for 2024, would you, as laying hands on each other and receiving prayer today, would you pray this with me? God, we believe that you are the source of life and hope. As you bring us from our graves, give us the resolve to live in freedom. As you call us to a disciplined life, form us more and more into your image. As you offer us your Holy Spirit, we receive your baptism. Teach us to live fully dependent on you. For these people that I lay my hands on, I charge you in the name of the God who gave his life for you. This year, you will honor the Lord and you will live. God, we pray these things and we sing this song together as a declaration of worship. I'll come back and lead us again in a moment of prayer to close our time, but sing this together as a family today.
you now to do the same thing for me. Yes, God, we need you to fill us up, Lord. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your Come on, all things are possible, amen. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giant. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my children then you hear your children now you are the same God you are the same God you answered prayers back then and you will answer now you are the same God you are the same God you were providing then you are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then. God moved in power now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a healer then. You are a healer now. You the same God. You are the same God. You were a same 
Pastor Greg, where's Pastor Greg? Hey, will you and Tammy come up to the front today? Paul and Rhonda Smith, will you guys come up to the front? Arlene Clark, if you're in the room, come up to the front. Um, there's a lot of Sundays where we'll just, SB, come up to the front. There's a lot of Sundays where we'll just have like leaders in the back ready to receive you in prayer. Uh, we're gonna end today. The team is gonna continue to sing this song for us and I'm gonna pray and you'll be dismissed. But I just wanna have these guys up here in the front today. If there's anything that you need prayer for, Terry, will you also come up to the front? Uh, if you need any prayer this morning, um, these guys are here just to receive you, to pray with you. Uh, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, today, would you come? Elizabeth, there you are. I was looking for you. Uh, you come up to the front as well. Okay, now I think I have the whole team. <laughs> um, if, if there is something you're asking God to do today, a breakthrough, if there's a place of death in your life, uh, and you just say, I'm done. I'm done dying. Today I receive life in the name of Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Christ, come and tell one of these people today, and they will lead you in a prayer of salvation to receive Jesus as your Savior, and you will live. If you are feeling dry in your spirit, they will lay hands on you, and you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you will live. If you need a miracle, you will experience the power of God as you pray, and God says you will live. God, we have set not only the first 24, 21 days of 2024 aside in fasting and prayer, we have set this entire year aside to you, to your glory, to your honor. God, would you fill us with your spirit and cause us to live? We are utterly dependent on you. We can do nothing apart from you. But because of you, we are full of hope. God, would you work wonders this year? Would you heal this year? Would you deliver this year? Would you set people free this year? Would you restore people to life this year? In our personal lives and in our church, would you do this work? God, in this year, as you say that we will live, would you lead us to bring the overflow of the life that we have in you out to the people of this valley? through your church, would you turn the Antelope Valley into a valley of life? And God, as more and more graves are opened, may your name be honored and glorified this year in this place. God, we pray all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.